The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you to all of you who are listening today. We're glad that you're joining us. We are grateful to hear your comments on Facebook. Do find us on Facebook on the Spirit of Recovery page. We do like to hear from you. We also love getting your emails, and you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. Uh, also, during the program, you can call in to the station with a comment or a question, and that is 888-558-6489, and you'll also find that number on your screen. Uh, we are glad that you're letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community know about the spirit of recovery. We are on, of course, unity.fm, online radio, and you can download our year's worth of archives at any time at www.unity.fm. It's completely free. There's no cost to that. You can also now listen to the Spirit of Recovery and the other programs on Unity FM on your mobile listening device. So we're always upgrading, always doing new things. We want to give you lots of avenues to hear the great programming on Unity FM. We love hearing from you, our listeners, and we're really glad to know that uh, we're touching your hearts with all that we're sharing here on Spirit of Recovery. We've always got great guests, and we talk every week about topics that are important to the recovery community, and our guests are people who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and innovative. They're people who work in the recovery field or write for recovering people, or sometimes they are people who are also in recovery themselves. But always they are bringing you practical information, practical insights, and lively discussions that get you thinking. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and we know that recovery is a big tent. And so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member who's in your own recovery as a family member, or you're a family member or friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery, and you're simply looking for information 
or if you're somebody that's just interested in or curious about the process of recovery, we welcome you here on the Spirit of Recovery, and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth, recovery, and spiritual development. My walk is an integration of unity principles and recovery principles. And that walk transforms my life on a daily basis. And I am very grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and grateful and interested in hearing what's happening in your spirituality and your recovery. Today, as usual, I have a wonderful guest. Um, My guest today is Fred Holmquist, and our topic is Relief or Recovery, the 12 Steps as a Wisdom Path. Fred is the director of the Lodge Program at the Hazelden Renewal Center, and he has worked in addiction services for 34 years. And Fred has a particular gift for translating the traditional recovery principles and philosophy into practical everyday living. Fred is a student of New Thought history and philosophy and also of many wisdom traditions. I've had the privilege of uh, hearing Fred uh, teach and have just been so enriched by what he shared over the years. And so I'm really happy to have him on the show today. And uh, as we're uh, talking about the 12 steps, we're going to be looking at them as a wisdom path that has principles in common with lots of spiritual philosophies, including the New Thought philosophy, and unity is a New Thought philosophy. And we're going to be talking today about what that means. Um, The 12 steps appeal to a lot of people who would never uh, practice a religion, but they can relate to the 12 steps. And so Fred's going to share with us today uh, how that is and and what it's all about and, and why those steps are so powerful So, Fred, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Anna, and your comments are very generous. Well, they're true. They are true, Fred, so glad you're here. So uh, you you were the first person I ever heard, and actually maybe the only person uh, that I have ever heard, refer to the 12 steps as a wisdom path. And when I heard that, it, it just clicked in. It's like, yes, that's that's really something. I'd never thought of it that way, but it opened up a whole new viewpoint for me. So, if the 12 steps are a wisdom path, what's so wise about them? Well, great question. I, um, I, the way I think and, and view the world um, is in a way that tries to find common elements among what otherwise would be very different or disparate um, things. And I think it helps me feel a unified sense of, of, uh, of life, which helps me feel safe. And simultaneously, I think it adds to uh, the examples that I can give as a teacher. Um, the, the wisdom of this wisdom path, I think... In in a way, is obviously not new wisdom. Um, it's wisdom born out of the suffering of of uh, eons of of uh, humans with with alcoholism. Um, and in June of 1935, 
um, something happened that was a kind of a founding experience of one person who had gotten well through following a simple wisdom path, uh, sharing that with another person, and that's June 10th, 1935, Founders' Day of Alcoholics Anonymous, when a New York stock speculator shared his experience, strength, and hope with an Akron physician, and uh, AA was born in that sense. Um, I think the wisdom has to do with what the early um, players involved with the fellowship coming about uh, were given great wisdom by three important sources. Uh, the first source was the wisdom about the truth of the problem of addiction that was given uh, to Bill Wilson in the summer of 1933 uh, on his first visit to Towns Hospital, a treatment program in New York City, uh, to which he was go to go at least two more times. And Dr. William Duncan Silkworth um, told Bill, um, interestingly enough, in the big book, the quote is, best of all, I met a kind doctor who said that though certainly selfish and foolish, which I think were Bill's presenting symptoms, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And that information gave meaning to Bill's struggle because Dr. Silkworth explained the physical allergy and the mental obsession. Um, and I think the, the, uh, the verdict of inevitable annihilation is first explained by the statement, uh, Bill's body couldn't tolerate what Bill's mind couldn't leave alone. And that idea of, of the disease elements um, took Bill out of the shame model that all alcoholics and addicts wind up in, um, in the absence of this wisdom, this medical wisdom. And the information became so important that in the first sentence of the foreword to the first edition that was published in April of 1939, um, the book Alcoholics Anonymous uh, opens with, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And this body and mind medical aspects um, is really the foundation of the rest of the program because it's the truth about the problem. And then, interestingly enough, the truth about the solution, about the same time Bill was um, in Towns Hospital, there was a certain American businessman uh, attempting to get um, well from his alcoholism under the care of Dr. Carl Gustav Jung in Kusnak, Switzerland. And uh, Dr. Jung worked with him for a significant period of time, and yet he got drunk again shortly after leaving Dr. Jung's care, and he came back and was very, very desperate, and Dr. Jung declared him hopeless. He'd never seen an alcoholic in whom the illness of the mind was so established as it was in this gentleman ever get well. And then Roland said, isn't there any hope? And then Dr. Jung said a very um, uh, absolutely critical truth about the truth of the solution. And his wisdom now added to Dr. Silkworth's wisdom about the problem was here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. And Roland went on to have such a spiritual experience in the Oxford groups, which 
were in the 20th century uh, a group dedicated to the principles of first century Christianity and the message that they wanted to carry was to recreate first century Christianity and it in a way had a lot to do with how we deal with our problems uh, in relationships with other people. So it's a wisdom path because it's got world-class um, wisdom from Dr. Silkworth, the New York physician, Dr. Carl Jung, you know, the, the world-renowned personality theorist and whose practitioners um, are alive and well today. And then the Oxford groups, which was a group um, whose goal was to reestablish first century Christianity. And then, um, so I'd really say that the wisdom came through the willingness of, of the early sufferers of active alcoholism and when this sequence of information and action was presented, uh, people started to get well and sustain being well uh, for the first time in recorded history. Right. What do you attribute the... How was it that those three things converged finally? And as you said, certainly there have been many attempts over, I'm sure, thousands of years for people to get well from alcoholism and for the most part, they weren't able to do it. What was so about those times, do you think, that why those three converged and it finally started getting somewhere? Well, um, in terms of how AA came about and its story, it, those, those three things came together um, in Bill Wilson in that sequence. Bill had, for a year and a half, the truth about the problem, but he did not have the truth about the solution and the program of action that would bring about that solution. Uh, uh, an old school chum of Bill's um, called him up in the middle of one of Bill's alcoholic binges and asked if he could come over and talk to him. And Bill even says that his voice was cheery. Um, this person, Ebby Thatcher, had been rescued from being institutionalized by a court by that certain American businessman who had um, benefited from Dr. Jung's wisdom and had had his spiritual awakening in an Oxford group, and he was back in New England, and he was carrying that first-century Christian fellowship message in the courts to alcoholics, and it happened to Ebby. Ebby got well, and Ebby had two months of sobriety when he called his old friend Bill and asked if if he could come over, and Ebby brought to Bill, not with any agenda that Ebby had, but really communicated to Bill through the quality of his presence, you know, fresh-skinned and glowing. Uh, he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes, um, his cheery voice. He was quiet and simple in his demeanor and his responses. And for Bill, this, this generated huge curiosity because Ebby and Bill had been drinking buddies and, and Bill was like, man, what's gotten into this guy? And so finally, Bill asks him and Ebby says, I've got religion. And then all of a sudden, Ebby's, something about his eyes turned into, oh, he had that starry-eyed look, first whacked on alcohol, now whacked on religion. And so Bill's religious prejudice was triggered. Um, and he assures himself after this paragraph of ranting about how his his drink his his liquor would um, would outlast Ebby's ranting 
But then the next line is Bill's moment of clarity, but he did no ranting in a simple and straightforward way. So Ebby Thatcher brought to Bill Wilson the truth of his spiritual experience by the quality of his presence and then asked Bill if he was interested in learning more about how to bring that about. And uh, I was in Stepping Stones last week and saw on the kitchen table where Bill had pushed a drink across to Ebby the bill from of that hospital, that town's hospital stay. He was admitted December 11th and discharged December 18th, and Bill's sobriety date is December 12th, 1934. So within two weeks of that information, it happened to Bill. And by the way, the, the cost was $34. How about that? That's really something. So you bring up an interesting point that about the Oxford group uh, being living first century Christian principles and yet the 12 steps appeal to a wide variety of people who you know would not see themselves as Christian at all and certainly some that do but so how did that translation happen from the Oxford group to a more universal spirituality well there were um, and again I am um, I have a certain amount of information about these things but I wouldn't consider myself to be really an AA historian, but the idea of um, the Oxford groups had had four absolutes, honesty, purity, and selfishness and love, and there were a number of things that um, didn't match up with the early members of AA who were all initially members of Oxford groups, and eventually there was a separation a bit more quickly in AA and how it developed in New York than back in Akron and Cleveland. Uh, in, in AA rooms in Cleveland, you still see the four absolutes and these old, wonderful, old um, framed uh, posters. Um, but the idea of uh, carrying the message and the proselytizing involved with um, a more Christian uh, tradition was what... Bill realized alcoholics couldn't do. They couldn't bring that uh, religious um, answer first. And and the way Bill learned that was for six months after he got sober, December 12, 1934, in a very sudden, vital spiritual experience, just the way Jung described. It was a very sudden experience for Bill. He was working with alcoholics all over New York, telling them about this vital spiritual experience and their need for it. But nobody was getting sober. He was staying sober. He went to Dr. Silkworth again and said, uh, you know, I'm killing myself here and nobody's getting well. And Dr. Silkworth simply said, well, maybe you ought to start by talking to them about alcoholism and its hopelessness the way I did with you. Hey, we're going to have to that, stop right now for a, for a break. Yeah. Thank you, sure. Fred. We're, we'll be right back, and we'll, we'll start with the Serenity Minute. So stay with us, and Fred and I will be back talking about relief or recovery, the 12 steps as a wisdom path. like to take a moment to encourage you as part of our unity online radio family of listeners to support this ministry through a love offering 
For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey. A little more sun, a little less work, and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand, a little less stress, and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. Transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life. How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe-responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe-responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery@unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Relief or Recovery, the 12 Steps as a Wisdom Path. And my guest is Fred Holmquist. Fred is the director of the Lodge Program at the Hazelden Renewal Center. And the Lodge Program is an intensive study of the book Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. And Fred has worked in addiction services for 34 years. And he has a very special and very particular gift 
for translating traditional recovery principles and philosophy into practical everyday living. And Fred is also a student of New Thought History and Philosophy as well as a student of the philosophy of many wisdom traditions. And we're having a great conversation today. But before Fred and I um, get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me for a brief moment in the Serenity Minute. An opportunity to take a moment to center, take a breath, and join me in this constructive idea. I choose to practice spiritual principles in every aspect of my life. I choose to practice spiritual principles in every aspect of my life. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that you are refreshed, that you had a moment to open up to that awareness of your higher power. And now Fred and I are back to our topic, Relief or Recovery, the 12 Steps as a Wisdom Path. So Fred, when we right before the break, you were telling us about uh, how Bill Wilson translated these, uh, the, what he was learning into action. So tell us what happened next. After sure. Well, Bill, Bill had that powerful spiritual experience. Uh, December 12, 1934, in the next six months, he was now attempting to help alcoholics find their spiritual experience, and nobody was really responding. And he went to Dr. Silkworth and, and rec- reported this. He was sober, but nobody else was getting sober. And Dr. Silkworth very wisely said, well, maybe you ought to start not with the spiritual solution, but with the, a description of alcoholism and its hopelessness the way I did with you. And then, interestingly enough, um, the next person Bill has the opportunity to talk to, another alcoholic, is Dr. Robert Smith in Akron, Ohio, on a business trip that fell through for Bill. And um, through an interesting course of uh, coincidences, Bill wound up um, having an opportunity to speak with uh, Dr. Smith, who had, by the way, been in the Oxford groups, attempting to find a spiritual solution for his alcoholism for two and a half years, but he hadn't been completely open with his um, um, group members about his alcoholism. And a couple of weeks before Bill Wilson comes to town, uh, Dr. Smith asks his group to pray for him and, and his alcoholism, and he opens up to them. And one of the group members was um, Henrietta Cyberling and Bill, she's the person that Bill wound up speaking to in his quest to look for an alcoholic to work with. And when he said um, something like, I'm a rum hound from New York looking for another alcoholic, she said, come right over. Because in a way, this was a real connected element of the prayers of that group. And um, Dr. Bob Smith said he'd give Bill 15 minutes, but they wound up talking for four hours. And in the play... Um, Bill W. and Dr. Bob, there's a very precious moment when Dr. Bob says, now, Sonny, you're not going to help me. A lot of people have tried. You, you really sh- I shouldn't waste your time. And, and I think Dr. Bob's moment when Bill's response was counterintuitive to Bob, and he said, well, I'm not here to help you. I'm here so that I can get help. And, and then it happened for Dr. Bob as well. So... 
going to go on break. Stick with us, and we'll be right back with our guest, Fred Humquist. the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery, and thanks for hanging out there with us. We had a little technical challenge, but we're back. We're glad you're listening with us today. Uh, feel free to give us a call at 888-558-6489 with a comment or question 
or you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, and we do get those emails during the program. So my guest today is Fred Holmquist. He's the director of the Lodge Program at Hazelden Renewal Center in Minnesota. And um, as you can hear, Fred's got a very rich background in the uh, understanding of the 12 steps of the history of Alcoholics Anonymous and of the wisdom path that it is of the spirituality of that. He's also uh, a student of many wisdom philosophies and really integrates them in an elegant fashion. So, uh, Fred, you were telling us about what happened when uh, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith got together and Bill said, I'm not here to help you, I'm here to help me. It was it was kind of that counterintuitive moment mo- moment that Bill had when when Ebby did no ranting, um, and Dr. Smith had the same experience when when Bill said, "Oh, I'm not here to try to help you. I'm here to help myself." And then Bill Bill get uh, Dr. Bob gets it, um, and then what what's so interesting as it's described um, in the Wisdom Text, Alcoholics Anonymous, in the foreword to the second edition, it says, um, "Well." You know, doctors, Dr. Smith had been in Oxford groups for two and a half years without success in trying to deal with his alcoholism and finally outed himself a couple of weeks before Bill shows up into town and um, Henrietta Cyberling recognizes that this is an answer to a prayer that Bill's reaching out. And then it says, but when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy with a, for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. And I think this is what in some ways sets the 12-step wisdom tradition apart from others. It has an ironclad reason to be a practitioner of it. And that is, if you don't, you're going to die. And Dr. Smith didn't know that. But when he saw this verdict of inevitable annihilation, he saw that he had a body that couldn't tolerate what his mind couldn't leave alone. He then had that willingness that a terminal cancer patient has to undergo the ravages of chemotherapy for the possibility of, of an extended life. And um, so this wisdom tradition has the truth about a specific manifestation of a problem, alcoholism, which turns out to be a symptom of a deeper human malady of over-reliance on self, and and then, for me, the greatest wisdom in the 12-step wisdom tradition is that this deep spiritual power is a part of each human being. What I work on is what blocks me from living from that deeper spiritual wisdom and power, and that is this imbalance of my humanness, my over-reliance on self. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring up something very interesting. Certainly in the world, there are many wonderful wisdom traditions that uh, I believe have very, at the very core of them, have similar values. Um, But people aren't always so motivated um, to practice them or, I don't know, and you, you said that, you know, obviously when people realize they're dying of a disease, they're pretty motivated. How do we, how do you see uh, people that maybe don't identify or they don't have a disease that seems fatal to them, how do they get excited or motivated to follow a spiritual path? Well, um, you know, again, that would be in 
in their individual stories, um, circumstances, uh, intersections of things come together. Um, and I would say probably more through, uh, you know, less chased by the devil and more drawn by the light. And so that people will have uh, an experience of, of the safety, the, the security, the wholeness of, of a spiritual fitness that, that becomes something that they really want to pursue. And so I think ultimately uh, addicts and alcoholics working 12-step programs start with this being chased by the devil, and I, I use the term only as, a, as in its vernacular, um, because, my, my God, you know, I don't want to die. And then over time, with continued practice, the kind of revelation of what synchronous living provides, you know, manna, divine aid, spiritual sustenance, anything badly needed that comes unexpectedly. Interesting dictionary definition that covers the believer, divine aid, the agnostic, anything um, spiritual sustenance, and the atheist, anything badly needed that comes unexpectedly. Well, they're all the same thing. They're what we get when we're aligned a little bit better in the world, using our free will, respectful of us and ourselves and, and community. So I guess I'd have to say that, that for someone who isn't chased by much of a devil, that their practice would be motivated by the, being drawn by the light of spiritual practice that becomes actually luminous darkness eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, unity uh, is a is a new thought tradition, and I know you have been a, a student of new thought and and have actually had experience at at High Watch Farm and so forth. What do you see as the connections between the twelve step philosophy and new new thought philosophy? Um, well, being more versed in the twelve step side, um, I'll, I'll take a flyer at saying that 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 this the the fact that there is this deep, um, infinite, eternal element of each in each person's life, um, and you know, I've I've been. Uh, meditator through Joel Goldsmith's Infinite Way, who was, um, if I understand it, had been a, a Christian science practitioner and had then gone a more independent path, as many uh, Christian science practitioners have. And that whole idea of, you know, one of Joel's titles is a parenthesis in eternity, uh, that I have, my life is a parenthesis in eternities, or between two worlds, or practicing the presence, um, the, uh, those ideas of this deeper reality being closer than breathing and nearer than hands and feet is so counterintuitive to our humanness. And so I got onto the New Thought Movement through a book by Mel B. called New Wine, A History of, Al- of the Spiritual Roots of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then that got me to you know Charles S. Braden's book, Spirits and Rebellion, and that got me to you know, Phineas Parker's Quimby and, and the whole fascinating magical path and many uh, uh, offshoots of that core idea of the 
imbalances of our humanness and our beingness and the deeper spiritual reality um, that often gets sh- shrouded by our more immediate and um, and interesting Garden of Earthly Delights reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you see as uh, important differences between New Thought and um the 12 steps. I know once in a conversation that I had with you many years ago, we were talking about the concept of surrender. And as I recall it, you made an observation that it was difficult in the New Thought philosophy to, to quite find that concept, which is so key to uh, the 12 step philosophy. I don't know. Talk about surrender. Well, in a way, surrender is becomes my only option in a verdict of inevitable annihilation um, in a no-win, in a problem beyond human aid. And if I'm fortunate not to die first, then I can get so weary of trying to do something about something I don't know I really can't do something about on my own that I just stop struggling and, and say, uh, either I'm exhausted or I say, Man, this just ain't working, and um, and and surrender means a lot of things. Uh, you know, going over to the winning side, um, the the experience of Alcoholics Anonymous founders and Bill Wilson's connection with William James's Varieties of Religious Experience, the anthology of these world class human transformation stories is that common ingredient of the dark night of the soul that takes us to a level of, of suffering where we just kind of say, okay, I can't do this anymore, and it's either, it's either death or salvation. And in Marty Mann's story, Women Suffer Too, in the back of the big book, she notes the etymology of the word salvation means to return home, and that's how she felt when she went to her first AA meeting, that she had finally found her people in her home. What are other uh, wisdom traditions that you study that uh, that you feel are that are compatible with the twelve steps, or that you see real spiritual light in? Sure. Well, for me, it's it's as a student of of this, and as I try to be a full time student of of life and everything that I do, marriage and music and writing and everything. Um, the the equivalents are 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 fair for me. They just kind of appear. Like in in Buddhism, there's the idea of 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 suffering um, and attachment and grasping. And so, on a very simplified level, addiction represents an attachment or a grasping of something that then blocks me even further from realizing the truth of my oneness with a greater. Um, kind of power and even there's a monkey trap it's a gourd with a hole narrow enough that a monkey can get its hand folded into it and there's a banana in it but once he gets his hand through he holds on to the banana and because a monkey's instinctual life is is the pursuit of food he doesn't realize that he's he's chained himself to this banana and again even that that fits um, the um, 
a number of well even for me christianity i i didn't i didn't come up in a in a life that that my church exposure had meaning for me other than anglican music which still is as spiritual a part of my life as anything um but now i see you know in in the bible there's a pretty good scientific description of alcoholism who has sorrow who has woe those who tarry at the wine those who tarry at mixed wine um tarry at the wine alcoholics tarry at mixed wine alcohol and drugs um lash to the mast hey everything's okay in a burning cauldron hey no problem um and then he's miserable and yet he riseth in the morning and do it again um very descriptive and accurate of this insanity um of active addiction so for me, all wisdom traditions have common goals, and that's to give guidance to our free will to minimize our human suffering and maximize our fulfillment as human beings. And therefore, guidance to our free will means directions for efficient, healthy, community-based, and self-respecting uh, living. And, and they... And they have, they've been born out of different cultures and different eras and in different contexts. But I think they're all, uh, they all share this idea of having a goal of providing some direction, specific directions, and then supportive human community um, for the goals of reducing suffering and increasing fulfillment. And Dr. Jung, in his response uh, to Bill's letter, um, thanking him for the um, the solution of a vital spiritual experience, this was in 1961, notes that the evil in, in the world will lead man's thirst for wholeness into perdition unless uh, countered by either real religious insight or the protective wall of human community. And in, in the 12-step wisdom tradition, um, we get both real um, religious insight, which is the practice of the steps that brings about ongoing spiritual transformation and the protective wall of human community, uh, the fellowship of not only fellow sufferers, but eventually the fellowship of the spirit, the fellowship of, of sharing in a common solution. Mm-hmm. Powerful. What impact do you see the 12-step movement having had on the world, or do you think it's had any in a bigger sense? Well, you know, sometimes I meditate on the dimension of suffering um, that the presence of this program that has some staying power for many, um, the dimension of suffering that has been averted in their lives and as an active addict's alcohol life can affect for others, uh, a, an addict or an alcoholic uh, living a, a spiritual practice will affect four others as well. And so I I meditate on the dimension of suffering averted with the presence of this program. And then add to that the dimension of lives enriched, not only the individuals, but of the the family members and partners and companions and parents and and kids uh, who who really eventually know that this person has been um, return to them, and and there's great joy in that. 
Um, obviously, the expanse of the 12 Steps application to other communities of fellow sufferers, uh, overeaters, narcotics anonymous, cocaine anonymous, emotions anonymous, debtors anonymous, gamblers anonymous, uh, shoppers anonymous, all of these more what are referred to as behavioral or process addictions have a very similar brain chemistry and are as as a verdict of inevitable annihilation. You know, Gamblers Anonymous, their, their histories are full of, of multiple bankruptcies and suicide attempts. I mean, it really takes people out. And again, they, felt they benefit, and especially early on, from that fellowship of having shared in a common peril. And then they also benefit from the directions for a more efficient and sustainable way of living that the 12 steps provide as well. So I'd say a significant impact. Although, be hard to tell from the state of the art of the world today. But yeah, we're going through a lot of that people. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. What I know, Fred, that you do have uh, have the opportunity to teach a lot of people, and and the opportunity to work with people that are both very new in uh, recovery, and also people that have long term recovery. What are some of the things that you see that work well for them to help them be? Be motivated by being drawn to the light and not just pushed by the devil, right. so to speak. Well, <clears throat> one of the complicating factors of the 12-step wisdom texts is the, um, there's some dated language from the 30s. Also, Bill Wilson spoke the King's English, so um, some of the words don't fit into our American lexicon. Um, and... A lot of people have a lot of religious prejudice, and the language in, in the 12-step wisdom texts uses a variety of spiritual terms, but many of them are, are pretty religious, like the God of your understanding, higher powers are the universe, creator of the heavens, uh, but also uses other terms like great reality, broad highway, road of happy destiny. Um, the issue, I think, is that people show up because they're, they're miserable and they're suffering, and they can learn that they have a disease, and that gives meaning to their struggle. And then, as in medicine, the diagnosis defines the solution. In the big book, the problem defines the solution, and the problem is lack of power, and the solution is power. So a person who is shown that a body that can't tolerate what the mind can, can't leave alone, in that circumstance, has no power before and after when alcohol is in them and when it's not, can easily see that their problem is lack of power and, as they would see that their solution is gasoline if their problems lack of gasoline, that their solution is power. Then the book goes on to say that that power is spiritual power and already a part of who you are. But most people get distracted by the God of their understanding. And so they didn't show up because their problem was a lack of the God of their understanding. So... The God of understanding doesn't make sense as a solution. So that's one of the issues. So I try to really make it clear that people need to stick with what drove them to seek help and get, a, get understanding of that. And then that is lack of power. The solution is power. And then it's spiritual power. And it's already a part of each of us. And then we learn that we're blocked from it. And then we follow directions to get unblocked. So that's very helpful, especially for new people to avoid... I think uh, what a lot what happens is many people walk away because it's just too religious. They may not even say they are, but it's thank you, no thank you, and then they never come back. 
Um, and interestingly enough, a lot of the things that help newcomers also can, can be very helpful for old-timers. But it's always important, I think, that emphasis on, on knowing why it's important to do this and until you know why you wouldn't want to do anything else. And I know a lot of people who's, who've spent a long time kind of in the trenches practicing the relapse prevention techniques and, and the cue management to avoid relapse and a lot of things that ultimately are absolutely critical and important early on, but they don't have a transformative process built into them. And so getting also to doing the directions that bring about the things that a person can't do, um, which cue management they can, um, is really counterintuitive. But eventually it's just a matter of, of kind of each day plugging away and each day waking up and doing it again. And I think without any table of predictors, that's exactly what eventually happens with people, that, that they get notched into a way of living that, that provides for them so much more than they could have ever tried to wrest from the world themselves. Fred, thank you so much. Unfortunately, uh, our time is up. You have blessed us. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Um, it's, uh, you've given us a lot of light and helped us understand that we need to be drawn by the light. So God bless you, and we're glad that all of you were listening today. Join us next week when our topic is, If It's Not In My Day, It's Not In My Life. Have a great week and know you're in my thoughts and prayers. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity.
The Unity message is universal, uniting, empowering, and transformational. Carrying this message to the world with the power of music and song are scores of singers and songwriters who dedicate their extraordinary gifts to helping heal the world and spread the message of unity and oneness. These are the messengers of unity. We salute the messengers of unity. The voices of the one voice of all humanity. Heroes with weapons of melody and rhyme. Waging peace, one song at a time. Tune in to Pazapalooza, music that matters, with host Richard McDesey to hear the music and the artists who are changing the world, one song at a time. Fridays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how you can activate your own power of yes. Using affirmative prayer or positive intention can make a big difference in the way you think, feel, and live. If you want help moving from chaos to clarity in relationships, health, prosperity, or work, this is the place for you. We'll have some how-to suggestions about how you can say yes more often from this point forward. Talk with Beverly Molander and her guest live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Affirmative prayer, activating the power of yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Consider yourself spiritual, but does your spirituality involve your gayness? Reverend Dulani Moore and Jerome Braggs want you to know that you no longer have to live bound by shame, for it's God's desire for you to be set free by understanding the truth of your being. It is time to live the unedited life, freely celebrating everything that you are and the unique expression God designed you to be. Talk with Reverend Dulani and Jerome live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central on Get Into It and Get Your Life. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. 
I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.